And welcome to Diamond Dreams Miami, up and in, episode 25, Mike. 25, almost there. Yeah, man, that's a... Quarter century. Quarter century. (laughs) We're almost, (laughs) we're getting close to 50, 100. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, ahorita. Soon. But yes, episode 25, and we got a good one tonight. We got a really good one, but we want to thank everybody that's listening to our podcast. Um, you know, as each week passes by, Mike, more and more people tell me that they're listening. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who's listening. And and listen, you know, something we should mention, but, you know, anybody feels they can bring some good, you know, good topics to the to the program, DM us, write to us. Absolutely. Let us know what you do. We'd, we'd love to know and see how we can mix it in. Yeah. And, and, and look, it's... Um, if you if you ever played baseball, if you want to talk some baseball, talk about anything else, really. You know, we're we're down to talk about my life, the Dolphins, the everything. Mike, Mike loves talking about Tua. Everything ties in the sports. You know, everybody's, <laughs> got, everybody's got an opinion. You know, absolutely. So. But we we want to thank uh, Sammy Love for our intro music. We love it. Evo Love Music on Instagram, social media, and also brought to you by Diamond Dreams Miami Academy. Diamond Dreams Miami, we're here. All 17 teams are going. We're taking some wins. We're taking some losses. But, you know, we're rocking and rolling, and the kids are excited. Kids are playing good baseball. Um, you know, we're looking for a little little slow time now with spring breaks and stuff like that with games. Games slowed down a little bit, but we're excited, happy. And we're going to be talking a lot of academy baseball tonight. Absolutely. But I want to mention my business, Armando Alvarez Realtor. Um, I do real estate now. I was selling our guests tonight that um i used to do tv for a very long time but then you know my kid was born i needed some some time and i'm doing real estate now going great you'll see a banner soon at uh dd park amando you have five emmys i, I do have five emmys. you have five real emmys <laughs> in production you know it's a big time five time emmy award winning real estate agent there you go <laughs> but yes but we want to get straight to the guests um two very special guests who i've known for for a long time want to introduce Carlos Pascual. He's the son of the late, great Patato Pascual. Carlos, along with Patato, ran Academia Carlos Pascual in 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And his son, Alex Pascual, who, as my brother says, man, he was a hell of a baseball player. He was damn good. He played over at St. Thomas University, played at Gulliver, Columbus. So welcome to Damages Miami Up and In. Thank you very much for having us. I really appreciate it. And man, as soon as I saw you walk out of the car, Carlos, I, I was like, man, th- this is awesome. Man. Memories and came back, huh? A lot of memories. <laughs> a lot of memories of being at the academy and all that. Th- I mean, the last time I saw you was for your dad's uh, wake. And, and dude, like so, so many great memories of the academy. That was like m- my best memories as a kid were Saturday at Grapevine Park. Thank you very much. So, you know, and man, he... Hit ground balls to my brother, to me, to my cousin, George Cardoso, who also played there. It's, you know, long, long lineage. I still have my fungo bat. I'm waiting for my <laughs> grandchildren to get a little bit older, but I'm going to treat them a little nicer than I did Alex. I'll, I'll <laughs> Mike, my, my brother says that Carlos hit the hardest fungo ground balls hey, they that gotta, he can remember. They got to learn how to catch them, right? Absolutely. They got- <laughs> <laughs> And we dragged the fields before we played, so. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I remember all, the, all those fields were, were great. All the coaches were great. But, Carlos, I, I want to start with you talking about the academy, you know, running the academy back then. You know, before, before we went on the podcast, you know, you were telling me some, some of the differences that you see now. But talk about running the, the academy back then with, with your dad, that dynamic, how, how it all started. Well, it all started with my dad. I was still playing college ball at FIU when he started the academy at uh, Shenandoah Park. And uh, he had some good coaches. He had Rene Janero. Uh, he had uh, Segui. Uh, he had some parents that really cooperated. But it really started to blossom after, and I don't want to take credit, but after I came on and I started bringing on, and we started getting more kids, I started bringing on uh, coaches that played with me, like Popeye. Popeye nice. played with me at Archbishop Curley. Uh, Bert Jordan, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a circuit district judge out of Atlanta. Oh. He played with me at, at Curley, and I actually, when I left Curley, I went ahead, and speaking of St. Brendan's, I went ahead and sent them both to Al Knowles at, for the St. Uh, Brendan's baseball program. And when we moved to 
Grapeland in like 77 or 78. I, I don't remember yet. It was around that time. Uh, all of a sudden, we were in a neighborhood where, you know, there was a lot of demand. And, you know, and there was more academies and more focus on baseball. And uh, one of the things we did, we went out and tried to hire, you know, as good a coaches as we could. And you got to understand, you know, we weren't paying much. As a matter of fact, I think we were charging at the time, I remember like $25 a month for a kid, which adds to nothing. When we closed the academy, I think we were only charging $50 a month. I mean, our our intent was not to... um, to make this a money venture thing, but we were, we were doing something that we loved and we were doing something that we were serving the community. As a matter of fact, now that you say that, the other day I ordered some ribs from uh, Flanagan on uh, Bird Road and I get there and I give my name, Carlos Pasquale. And there's this old gentleman looking at me. So as I'm going out to my car, he's following me and he goes, are you Camilo's uh, son? I go, no. I'm his nephew. He goes, I'm Al Reuter. I used to be the Parks and Recreation Director of the city of Miami. And we always used to have people complain to us, why are you letting them use the fields and you're not charging them? He said, they were our staff. We could not do this. And that's what the academies were doing. We were serving the community. You know, not only we did, but, you know, Little Havana did it at, uh, what was it, Coral Gate Park. Uh, Pipiolo, uh, yeah, Latin America. Um, I mean, uh, Latin America at Curtis. That's what we were doing. We were serving the community, you know, and we did it for the love of the game. No, and and I remember when I started in the academy, um, my, my dad was like, "No, no, tiene que jugar en la academia de patato." You know, like he, he's, he's like, "Yo voy a patato y a Camilo jugar en la, la grande liga y patato es tremendo coach y tremendo scout. Tiene que ir ahí." And I remember, like, a lot of those, you know, the, the older Cuban coaches had baseball lineage from, from Cuba. I remember, you know, Pee Wee, if my mind serves me correctly as a kid, you know, as a kid, um, telling my dad que jugaba en regla. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> so, and, and dude, like, these guys, they knew, they knew baseball. Yes. You know, Papito, hermano de Panchón Herrera. Yes. You know, uh, Pineda is a legend, as you know. Still around. Still around. And, you know, yeah. so... Yes, uh, a, a, as a matter of fact, there was one time that we had Panjón working in the academy. We had Ángel School. I don't know if you've ever remember him. He was a center fielder in Cuba for Almendares. So my dad was able to recruit a lot of these wow. old-time Cuban <laughs> That's players. That's awesome. You know, and I was more recruiting from the younger side, <laughs> the guys that I knew. And and back then, I, I remember the the progression. You know, because started with T-ball, of course. Like T-ball still still there coach pitch but i remember in between that and 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 kid pitch we had la, la máquina la máquina i remember with uh francisco, I, I, I francisco, francisco and Isaiah. Isaiah. Yes. <laughs> that was a transition uh from coach pitch to actually get the kids used to a little bit faster speed get catchers used to catching with equipment without having the issue of having an eight, nine, ten-year-old kid who couldn't throw strikes. And just it was and the game just drags on. Yeah, and exactly. On. exactly. <laughs> and and on that's what and got on. them ready to go to coach pitch. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's funny because, you know, the way that, that, you, got, that you guys coached and, and the way that things are run nowadays, kind of the same thing. Like, these guys got after it, I'm sure, right? They hit the ground balls hard. You disciplined the kids. You made them do exercise after the game. Like, like you made them get after it with grit. The fields nowadays are probably much better than what they were before, right? And like you said, you're taking it more easy on your grandson than you're going to do with your son, you know? But they got after it, man. They got after it, you know? That's what everybody says about that, you know? And what are some of the, like, differences and similarities you see between Academia Carlos Pascual and... Say Diamond Dreams or any academy oh, that's being I, run today. I, I heard your last uh, podcast, and thank God there was no social media. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God! I you can only no imagine. Mike knows. You have no idea. You know, we, so right now we have seventeen teams in the program, <laughs> and there's two groups that just practice: the two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and the four-year-olds. And and it's tough, man. Social media is tough. You know, those WhatsApps and those group chats are tough, man. They're, they're, they're poison, you know. And I'm glad you, I'm, I'm glad you, heard, you heard that, those yeah. episodes, because we were kind of tough I laughed, on that. But. I laughed at the, uh, 
the, the, you know, that's the one thing I could never stand was some kid playing out of age and the parents are 40. Oh, my gosh. You know, and I laughed when you said that, oh, my God, here we is on Facebook with a big eight celebrating his eighth birthday and he's playing with his <laughs> six-year-olds. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and, and you, can't, you can't get away with those type of things nowadays. You know, before it was maybe a little easier, but nowadays, like, social media is just shows too much. You know what I mean? But it's it's crazy. But it happens all the time. You know, it, it's wild. It's wild. Super wild. Oh, and social media has given a voice to basically everybody. You know, people that, that have no no clue what they're talking about. And Just hide behind the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want. Exactly. And look, but even even in person, and I know it happens, it happens to Mike, it happens to anybody who runs a baseball academy. How many times, like a, a good friend of mine, Joey uh, Perez, the other day I, I was with him. He's a, he's an attorney, and we were there talking, and he tells me, he goes, Amandito, the other day a dad came to me, and he goes, hey, yo creo que mi hijo debe jugar catcher. He's like, dude, his, his son's left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, there was no social media, but I'm sure you got plenty of parents that would come to you. Oh, uh, yeah, Carlito, you know? Well, I think I told you that uh, one of the things that, we prided ourselves was uh, there was two things that we prided ourselves at the academy number one i felt and my dad felt like our job was to teach the game of baseball and to teach it correctly to teach the fundamentals i mean we would practice and he can you know alex can tell you we would practice over and over we do rundowns double cutoffs you know uh, bunt situations. Uh, we work on base running. I'll give you an example. What ages were, were you were you were you guys dominant in at, the, at those those years? Like like what the bulk of the kids in the program were like what age more or less? Probably from nine and because we used to play nine and ten, eleven right. and twelve, nine and ten, through thirteen and fourteen. Awesome, awesome. And uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, we worked on the kids on on base running, and you know. Okay, we got a runner on third. You got to be in foul territory. If you get hit with a ball, it's a foul ball. Correct. Okay. We were playing a game. I'm not going to say against who. It was a nine and 10 year old team. And we were down to the last inning with a tie game, runner on third, shot down the line. Ball hits the kid. He's walking on the line in fair territory. He's out. We came back and won the game. Little things like that. Yep. Or like telling the third baseman <clears throat> where you need to stand on a throw from the outfield. If the throw's from left field, you don't want to be on the right-hand side of the bag. All of a sudden, the runner's between you and the ball. Yep. And you got to explain those things to them for them to understand it, not just tell them, you stand here. Right. you got to explain it to them and tell them. Coaching those ages is a lot of fun, Armando, because, you know, we, we're in T-ball right now with your son <laughs> and stuff like that. And that's kind of like what we specialize in. We're not really heavy in the kid pitch thing. So it's very different, but... You know, we do have one ten U team that's very good, um, and it's very different. Like you're coaching those kids because you're able to talk to them, and and I think I mentioned it like a couple of podcasts ago. Like, yeah, like our eight U modified kid pitch team, like those kids are having like different conversations in the dugout. Like they're actually beginning to get it, you know. So the beautiful thing about coaching that age is exactly that what you just said. Dude, you can just break it down and say it, and they'll get it. They'll they'll get it pretty quick. It's totally different than what happened no, no. in our T-ball right. situation. T-ball is completely different. But, man, that, that age group, you know, it, it, it's special, man. But believe, like that. But believe it or not, everything is repetition. Yeah, absolutely. Repetition, repetition. We used to have days, you know, we used to hit a lot of ground balls, as you've heard. But we used to have days that we just worked on backhand. We hit the kid 20, 30 balls, so he learns how to backhand and gets comfortable with it. Everything in life is repetition. Yep, absolutely. Yep. How did you get it, man? How was it with you? How was it with you? <laughs> um, well, I mean, all the guys who played with me knew that uh, if, if I missed the ground ball, the next one was coming. <laughs> very hard, and they, they stepped back. Um, I, I was easily one that if I, I stepped out on a pitch, he would throw it up and in, and I'd there probably get go. hit a few times. Okay. All right. but, and there was no face mask back then, right? No, we, didn't, we didn't have none of that. No, none of that. But, you know, it toughened me up. You yeah. know, it, it definitely made me the, the ball player I, I was. Um, I, I definitely learned the game the right way. And the older I got, the more I noticed that. Um, I got into high school, got into college, and, you know, a bunch of these guys did not know how to do rundowns. Yeah. You know, the, the rundowns were balls being thrown back ten times, and I'm like, what, what's going on here? 
we were doing this in nine and ten, getting people out on one throw. Yeah, you know, and the technique just wasn't there. And I think a lot of the people knew that when they they played at the academy, Pacual, that they they were ready. They were ready to play ball at a different level. And um, even in college, my, my coach was Manny Mantrana, who played at the academy. Yeah, man. He was, um, he was amazing. He was amazing. He passed away almost two years now. Yeah. Um, but the, the fundamentals that he taught were what he learned from my grandfather and my dad. And, you know, we, we definitely, you know, left a mark on a lot of people. And, you know, you can tell. Listen, when, you know, it's kind of like Madonna. She's like, everybody <laughs> still talks about it. But, dude, people Madonna. still, like, the, the, the podcast with, with Alex – with Delgado struck a nerve because the pictures started flooding into him and people started sending pictures and pictures and I, I send them some pictures yeah. of so, Colinage, you know, Pee-wee, when, when people talk about it you know 30 years later it's got to be great <laughs> you know it's got to be great to have that feeling just that guy stopping you in the Flanagan's parking lot that's got to <laughs> mean something to you you know what I mean and you like the older you've gotten like you you know my dad, you know, just, you know, was the regular dad, whatever, but he kind of always threw me things. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I'm saying? And the older I got, and, you know, he's passed away now, but going, you dude, like, all that shit made sense. <laughs> like, it all made sense. Like, it all was for a reason. And it was, oh, was he tough, dude? You know what I mean? When I struck out, oh, la croqueta, you know, he was on me, like, because he wanted better. You know what I mean? But dude, they're so on point, you know? And, and, and you know what sucks? I don't see that now. I see the complete opposite. I see the, oh, yeah, the field's going to give a bad bounce. Yeah, dude, it's going to give a bad bounce anytime. <laughs> like, you know, or, you know, you have to gauge the ground balls or, you know, it, it's different now, man. It's, it's, uh, I don't feel, you know, it's, let you me, know. Let me say something. I, I, I <coughs> noticed a big change. Um, it's funny, Delgado was talking about umpires and all the umpires he hires. And it's funny, I was telling Armando, I, I needed a job and he basically said, ah, you can umpire for me. And I was like, all right, let's go umpire. And I was able to see how all these academies were popping up. All these teams were coming up and the fundamentals weren't there. And a lot of the, the parents just took over. And, yeah. and I would think about it. And I'm like, man, these guys would not have lasted. And in, in my day, you know, I'm not, I'm not even that old. This isn't that long ago. We're talking and I actually have a, a fun story. Um, we're playing 13 and 14 in, in the Pony League. We're in the championship game against Tamiami. It's Bacuad, Tamiami. It always is. Always. <laughs> always, always. It always was. And we had a really good squad. And um, one of our best players, Guillermo Martinez, he's the, the hitting coach of Toronto. The Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, the nice ejection oh. last season. Yes. At yes, the yes, end, yes, <laughs> defending I, his I players. And um, he, I think he was having a, a bad game, and, and his dad came over and was, was talking to him, like kind of getting on him. And Guillermo was down, and my dad said, hey, we don't do that. And his dad kind of went back at him and was like, oh, don't tell me how to talk to my son. I'll take him right now. And my dad was like, go take ahead. Him. Okay. Take, take him. <laughs> and, take and him. he was our third batter. And, it, you know, I can talk about that now because Guillermo reached out to me not long ago, and he's like, hey, do you remember this? And I go, of course I do. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a big time in my life, yeah. you know, Pony. And, and he was like, you know what? You know, we look back at that moment, and his dad passed away. And um, he reached out to me, and he was like, you know what? My, my dad always spoke about that time. How, you know, it, we respected your dad so much after he did that, yeah. that we felt bad about it. You know, we really did feel bad because yeah. he knows that he was wrong and my dad was right at the moment. Right. And he just never got around to telling me that. But then he told me that after that. And I, I told my dad, I remember telling you about that. Mm -hmm. And nice. um, it was nice. It was nice to see that, you know, my dad was hard on people. <clears throat> it was tough, but, you know, people respected that. And I think you don't see that nowadays. Yeah, I think that... I think, like, like in my personal experience, which is all I can talk about, I think that there's a good group that's very supportive, Armando, right, I think. But then I think there's a, a group that is just never going to be content, not just because of anything that I'm doing. That's just who they are. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had Diamond Dreams now 10 years, and I've, I've come to learn that in the last three months. You know what I mean? That... Dude, I listen, I, I bust I bust my ass, just like you guys did. Bust my ass. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, there's a big group that supports, but I said there's just another group that's just it doesn't matter whether it's dance or whether it's soccer, whether they're just not gonna be content. You know, and I've learned that in the last three months that, you know, I'm gonna continue working as hard as I can and hopefully 
the ones that are supposed to be, they're supposed to be there. You know what I mean? But, you know, um, definitely, uh, you know, I'm tough, but, you know, it's still different. It's a little different. It's yes, a different it type is. of tough. It's a little different type of L- tough. Let me just tell you the, the probably the two greatest compliments that I was ever given um, about the academy was uh, first Brother Herb. I don't know if you guys remember yeah, Brother absolutely. Herb. Yeah, absolutely. Columbus. And then, and then, and then uh, John Henry followed him, mm-hmm. and then I think Weber, Weber took over, yeah. And uh, we were sending ball players, good ball players there all the time. And he told me, he said, you know, I know when they come from your academy, I know they're ready to play. You know, they're prepared. And then the, the second compliment was, um, I don't know if you remember Derek Antelo. Derek Antelo played at Noble Southeastern. I think he signed pro ball. I'm not sure. Um, he played with us in the academy. And then one day his dad comes up to me while he was playing high school ball. He says, I want to thank you. I go, you don't need to thank me. Your kid had talent. You know, we, we, we just tried to develop. I said, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, I want to thank you for developing that professional mentality. And he went on to explain to me when the kid was playing JV, they're winning 10 to nothing, and the coach is running up the score. He's stealing bases. He's bunting. And the kid's pissed off in the dugout because he knows that's not right. That's not right. So those, to me, are the two biggest compliments that, that I think that come to, our, to mind to me. How strict were you with uniforms? Very strict. I want to. Oh, this is awesome! And I thought about this. I was like, "This is going to be something that I can we can tie in because we have a difference of what thirty? How many years difference that we have in academies? Right, right. But it's it's a continuous issue. I've talked about it on the last two podcasts, so that tells me that not everyone's listening. But it's a continuous (laughs) issue. Different hats. But yeah, but 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 no, we have so many options of uniforms, but it's when they don't have like. How are you with that? How were you guys with that? We didn't have a lot of options. We had but one. but but we had one uniform. But when they didn't, when they when they showed up <laughs> with no belt or with no socks, like did, would you say something? Would Abs- you absolutely? They couldn't show up to practice in shorts. They had to be in baseball uniform for practice. It was right. So kid, right. So boom, the kid shows up. You see the kid comes out in the shorts. What do you do? You stop them before they get there. Like because any which way I do it, I'm the bad guy. Can I can I be honest with you? I really can't remember that ever happening. I mean, we. I'll give you an example. I'll Take me an, back. <laughs> they, they were scared. I think so. I give. I'll give you an example. All of a sudden, my uh, thirteen and fourteen year old team, which I've had since they were seven and eight for the most part. Awesome. You know, that's you so made awesome. Yama, Christian oh, Lopez. Oh, that's so awesome that Yama. you were able to hold a team that long. That's awesome. And uh, all of a sudden, they started getting little. Earrings. Oof. We show up at practice with uh, band-aids and stuff. And because uh, I said, I don't want earrings in my field. Of course not. You know, that was just me. I mean, old school, but that's just the way I am. I probably wouldn't last two days nowadays. But <laughs> when he finally turned 17 or 18, I said, Al, why did you decide that you wanted to get a, an earring? And what did you What did you say to me? No, I knew better. You're going to rip it off you my ear. You get your cut off. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad would tell me two things. Oye, no te parezca aquí con un tatuaje ni un arete. No. No way. But Alex, I wanted to ask you, like, you know, you mentioned the importance of, of you know, you, you played at, at the academy, coming up, learning fundamentals. I remember when I played at LaSalle, my freshman year, when we did the tryouts, I didn't even get to hit. When we did the on-field stuff, they're like, you're in. That's it. Like you, you know, you know what you're doing. And they knew you were a speedster. Yeah, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. But uh, but yeah, like the the fundamentals. How the importance of, of academies, you know, back then and today, you know, to learn all those fundamentals and how that carries over into, like you said, high school baseball and and beyond. Yeah, um, the, the important thing with the academies um, is 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 learning the fundamentals. Um, nowadays, I see a lot of travel ball. A lot of teams that it's it's more they of a, just plug more of a in business. Yeah. They just plug in players. They get players from yeah. here, there. Like I touched on it, different uniforms, different kids from different teams. They just plug them in, and they they don't they don't just you know it, it's, it's we had a system. It was a system, and that's what we taught in the academy. And when I coach high school, we had a system. And one one thing I did notice 
when you started uh, playing high school was back when I played high school, we had fall ball. We play. We started January second, and nowadays they they just limit you, so you almost don't even have time to implement a system. I don't know if no, and not only that, but. <laughs> Teams don't stay together to be able a lot of times to keep that continuous system because I make <laughs> rosters twice a year, right? Dude, I have to put, you know, a, a new kid that hasn't been in the system onto a roster because that roster lost X. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I said, like, when you, you took these kids when you were seven or eight. You had them until they were 14. Like, we have that one team, the 10U team, that's been with me since T-ball, and we went into 6U, but the rest are just – Plug and plug and go and plug mm. and come. They try out, they come, but it's it's tough, man. Like I admire that. Like you're able to, and, and not just that, because that shows that the parents believed in what you were doing. Yes, mm -hmm. and yeah. they gave you an opportunity to continue to develop and to continue to do it. You and know you know what? I mean? what? That's special, man. I think that's awesome. After so many years together with a lot of these parents, uh, they're all like family members. Uh, Jose Madero, Jose was just a parent, and then he started helping out. And then I brought him in to coach, and he was like a sponge. I don't think Jose ever played, like, organized high school ball or anything like that. And he was like a sponge. He Everything that I worked on and I taught, he picked up on it like that. And he would run a practice, and he ran his teams, and he'd, he'd have it down to a T. I just I, – I think so highly of him. He's one of my best friends now, and he's just such a smart guy. Not everybody can do that. I mean, here's somebody that really, without a – how do you call it, a uh, structured baseball background. He was able to, to adapt, you know. It wasn't by a book. It was just observing. That's awesome. And, and it's nice that you, part of what, you know, your, your, your things continue. The fundamentals you taught, mm -hmm. they keep on being transmitted. That's awesome. That's awesome. And back to what Mike was saying, you know, about the, uh, the, the turnover, <laughs> right, and, and, and kids, you know, moving around. I don't remember, like, let's say in, in your teams, Alex, I don't remember much – Oh. Much, you know, too many kids leaving. I remember the same kids, yeah. as my dad the same kids saying, that played with Albert as, as well. I'm, I'm, we had the same team since uh, I was seven and eight. But you, but but guys, the parents back then no estaban en eso, like they weren't in the whole thing. <laughs> it's the social media. It's the now that you know every every six and under team has their own Instagram page, and then they're sending messages yeah. to come and get this player, and then. You know, it, it, parents are talking eso now. It's so easy to see what everyone else is doing and to think that it's better on the other side. I just don't think, like, I remember, you know, I, I grew up in playing in Miami, and um, they had the draft. Yeah. Whoever I landed with was my coach. Like, it didn't matter if they were good, if they were bad, if they were like, no, that's, so that's the coach, you know? And I kind of feel like just nowadays the options and the parents, are, they're into that. You know, and I think that, that, that those are team breakers, man. Can you imagine you a know? Palmar del Junco Instagram page? Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> With Pipiolo on With Pipiolo. Oh, you Pony know, Taylor. Remember what I told you about that Pony League tournament? Just about how different the parents were back then. I mean, the parents were, think of your grandfather or your father or your grandfather. There was none of this. And we had a Pony tournament playing against uh, Hernandez's Hialeah Cory League. And we kept getting rain out and rain out. You know how it is in June mm -hmm. and July. Yep, yep. And we had to be, finally get a crown of champion to be play the next day in Lake Worth in the regionals. Game didn't start till midnight. I got home at 3 o'clock in the morning coaching that game. Parents got home with their kids. They went to work. What would happen today? Okay, so <laughs> right now you, you have issues with a sereno. That's going to come down. Sereno's number one. At 11 o'clock at night, it's going to get your kids sick. sick. Number two, there's no there's no ability to adjust once a week or once a month to anything that's outside of the normal. No, you would have you know been, I mean? been canceled. No, listen. You would have been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Playing a game it's, after midnight, it's how difficult. dare you? It's difficult. It wasn't it's difficult. me. It, I, I was, it's difficult. I wasn't my turn. You know? But I went on. You know? You didn't take your players home, right? Like you should have. You know, I'm a big fan of the yes. Like if you're on a team... It's yes. Mm -hmm. The Absolutely. game's delayed an hour and a half. It's going to get a 9.30 start. That's what Let's it play. takes. Let's go. Yep. Like, you know, I'm into the yes. But if that happened nowadays, a midnight game, all right, muchacho. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. It'd be a nightmare. Done. I'd be in jail. It'd be a <laughs> <laughs> 
putting the kids' well-being in, in jeopardy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Man, you, know, you, you just mentioned that that story. What are some other stories that stick out um, from from all your years at Pacuad? No matter what team, it's just, you know, <coughs> I'm, I'm sure there's plenty uh, of great right. stories. So, um, like I told you, a lot of our players were going to Columbus. And one year at the College World Series, Florida State's there, Miami's there, and LSU's there. So you have Luis Garcia from Garcia on the river. Nice. For LSU. You have... Pete Griffol, who's now the manager of, nice. the, of the Chicago White Sox, uh, Florida State. You have Henry Hernandez, Mike Tozar, who's coaching with, uh, yep. and Oscar Munoz, who actually played in the big leagues for Columbus. So Harold does a piece, and it says, five players at the College World Series all attended Columbus. Nice. So Oscar Munoz's brother comes up to me and says, did you notice something? I said, no, I thought it was a nice piece. He says, no. They're all from the academy. That's nice. Um, I hope to be hope to be like that one day, man. You know, be able to watch the World Series and see six or seven guys out there. That's got to bring awesome. things full circle. You know what yeah. I mean? That's those are special moments. You know. And what are some of the guys that that you coached? You know, I mean, and you saw play like aside from from the ones you just mentioned that made it to the bigs and you know and and or, or college baseball for the, for that matter. And Alex, you too. I mean, you played with plenty of of guys that. I played, you know, college ball and some that played beyond. One of the better hitters that I ever coached was uh, Yamed Yema. Yamed Yema was el guanito que llegó de Cuba. was a stud. I remember years, him. Ten years old. And we, you know, it was ten years old. We FIU? Yeah. FIU? FIU. FIU. Yeah. He was right. the conference player of the year. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure was. And uh, we put him, I forget with who, we didn't know who he was, and the coach says, you got to move this kid up to the 90-year-old <laughs> team. And this kid would just, just hit the ball. So one day we're playing at the boys club. I think he's like 12 years old and he has a bad day and he strikes out a couple times and his mother's behind the plate. Yeah, ma, yeah, ma, <laughs> yeah, ma. So I called her over. I said, how many years you kid been playing with me? Said, Three years. Have you ever heard me tell him one thing about hitting? No. Then leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> You know? Yeah. How valuable is that to um, know when to not, like, coach a kid on the swing? Like, for example, we have a, you know, like, for example, we have a left-hander in the academy, Abraham Adake. You know, you know Abraham, he's led the leagues in home runs, the Maibas, stuff like that. Um, I don't think, and he's been in the program since he's three years old, and I can show you guys the videos. I, I, I don't think I've ever talked to a mechanic ever with that kid. Some kids are natural. Some kids are just natural. And, and you, dad played and some pro ball. Gotta. Dad played some pro ball, so the kids got into the blood. But, you know, I kind of feel, and I wonder how you feel about it, like if you get too technical, too young, you can really mess a kid up. You know what I mean? Like what I love about the age that we're in is that we have our batting practices, and it's 100% just about the reps. If their feet are line straight, it's okay. They got to see it. They got to hit it. There's so much more that we have so much time for. You know what I mean? Um, but, man, it's, T ball. T-ball to me is about, number one, have the kids having fun and love and begin loving the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah, you want them to swing through the ball. You want them to try to throw correctly. You want to get them to catch. I, I, I don't know how many times I would go by Goldie Nash's <laughs> field and, and, you know, somebody hits a ground ball and is going through the outfield and there's a kid looking up, <laughs> looking up at the plane, you know. And I never, I never forget this story. You know, the game's over. And the kid looks at me and says, who won? I go, you did. He goes, yay. I, mean, <laughs> but, I, I love T-ball, man. But, you know, but that's so what it's fun. about. Get them to begin to love the game. Yep. If, if you take that too seriously at that age, you're yep. going about it wrong. That's why I like the instructional league, Armando. You know, we have the private T-ball league. We have seven teams in there. It's just private. We don't play any public anywhere. And, you know, we're able to kind of be nicer about everything and kind of control everything. And, and you know, hopefully that the kids fall in love. So that when they get the six, you got to throw them to the sharks. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, man. I remember I when, when I started T-ball at Pacual, my dad would take me to the park and, and pitch to me and all that. So... I already had like a, a base coming in. Man, I used to watch a ton of baseball. 
I can't get my, I mean, my kid's five, and, and yes, he's five, but at that age, I used to watch a ton of baseball with my old man. You must have said, Papi, vamos a ver pelota. Yankee baseball all the time. Going to Bobby Maduro to watch uh, spring training as a little kid. I still remember, I, I still have those memories. And I remember, it must have been one of my first games. <clears throat> it was with Colinach, and his assistant was Aubilio, I think. Aubilio. Aubilio. Aubilito. So, yeah. so they they hit a, a little pop-up to me, and I get under it, and I, I swiped at it. And Aubilio's like, Ricky Henderson. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, no, because Ricky Henderson. He's like, you're not Ricky Henderson, man. Here we get, we get under the ball. But you know, those those are the what you learn in 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 t-ball. You know, the fundamentals, what to do. I feel like I was advanced, but yes, I would see kids. I would run past first into right field and walk. You know, run into the next field. It was it was awesome to watch. You know, it's funny that you say that. I remember when the Marlins came to being, and they traded for Gary Sheffield. And I swear, the next month, you had a bunch of kids in a batting cage. Yep. Just going like this with the bat, <laughs> you know, rocking the bat back and forth. <laughs> and, man, like, no, it's, it's, it's like the, um, like, I used to watch Ricky Henderson. I wanted to be like Ricky Henderson. I used to want to steal bases, you know, like the, the different batting stances. I, I remember, like, I would change my batting stance every now and then because of, like, oh, let me do, you know, Canseco or Ricky <laughs> Henderson or, or, or anybody, you know, but... You know, you go through there, and and you and again, you had these great coaches there that that would just teach you. You know, whether it was at, at the next level with Pee Wee and Papito and and Popeye with Pineda, Isaguirre and 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 Francisco, they were just great, great guys. Mm. Yeah, um, great times. I have a lot of great memories, and I still have a lot of good friends. A lot of good friends. And you know, the best thing to me was. Here we have uh, Henry Hernandez, Mike Tozar, Juan Baquín. And this is before, I, you know, I left the academy in 2005. And all of a sudden, they're there with their kids. That's awesome. <laughs> you know? Awesome. That, to me, meant a lot. Of course, no. And, and, and the, the memories will never go away. And, and you mentioned the, when I mentioned the no coach went out. I mean, oh. that's a, that's a <laughs> class. So anybody that went through Pineda, that, and, and it, it's awesome. That's the first thing that I texted him. I said, no coach, one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Carlos, you know, you mentioned about the whole Sheffield thing. You know, Mike was, you know, and you mentioned about Yema, that you told the mom, ¿Cuántas veces le, you know? And, and Mike said the same thing. I was talking about this with my, with my brother a couple of days ago, you know, about, and, and Alex, I want to ask you too, because, you know, you, you played around the same time with my brother. You guys are a little bit younger than me. Um, and I don't remember, and again, social media. You go to any of these channels and everybody's a freaking hitting coach. Everybody's a hitting coach teaching this and teaching that. And this, look, some of them might be good. Some of them might not be good. But what's what's your your opinion, both of you, on, on what's been going on? Because I, I, I feel like there's a billion YouTube videos showing you a billion different things. And there's a lot of guys that I remember an interview with Kristen Yelich tell, telling the guy that was interviewing him, he's like, Barry Bonds is my heading coach, and he's telling me not to do this, you know, to do it another way. Well, you know, I think a specialized coach can help a kid that's developed. You want to work on mechanics, and you have somebody that knows what they're doing to help them. I, I, I'm all for it, you know, somebody uh, like that. Um, but I think what's happened, and I, it started to happen – when I was still coaching at the academy was all of a sudden people started taking batting lessons and pitching lessons. And, you know, I remember, I don't know, Alec, you remember that uh, the 13 and 14 year old team, Casanova would let us use FIU on Sundays. We go to FIU, the the team that played at the boys club. And I throw BP to everybody and I work with them hitting. And then I find out that two of them are going to see a batting coach. That pissed me off. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Listen, I, I, I give. I used to give heading lessons full-time before I started the academy and when I worked in management. And I give lessons right now to two kids. That's it. I don't have time. You know, two kids is what I do. And I tell them from the beginning, it's got to be exclusive. Not going to be in a battle with another local hitting coach because you want to you get more reps, take them to the batting cage, pitch <clears> to them. But it's got to be exclusive, you know. Um, Amanda, what you what you what you touched on right now with like the whole swing and all the 
there's just too much info out there. And Alex, I know you, you're going to agree. There's too much info out there. And this info is, 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 is being broken down by people who, who don't have a feel for what they're doing. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, it's too much. Everybody knows. I see, I, I see a lot of this when it comes to social media and, and specialized hitting coaches is they, they have their way of doing it and their way is the right way. Not everybody hits the same. It's not, not cookie everyone. cutter. It's not. No. It's not. And if, if, <coughs> if you're going to be a good hitting instructor, you, you have to adapt to the talent. You have to see what they're good at, what they're bad at. And, and that's you can't see it from them taking a few cuts because that's what they do. Oh, take a few cuts. Okay, well, you're, yeah. you're, you're pulling yeah. off. It's like, wait yeah. a minute. You have to see this guy in at-bats. You have to see actually what they're doing. Um, so I think, again, it's a business nowadays. People are doing it for the wrong reasons rather than actually developing players. What's your take on the whole launch angle thing? I think it's a made-up <laughs> It's a myth. That yeah, can I we get back to hitting the middle of the baseball with the middle yes. of the barrel and just hit a line drive up the middle hard I or agree. in the gap? Can we just get back to that? I read an article at uh, Willie Mays talking to Barry Bonds. He's his godfather. And they got into a conversation about launch angle, and, and, and Willie Mays just said, just swing through the ball. You know, hit a line drive. And he's at exactly what you said. Yeah. Like, listen, I in, in 03, I think I said the story, Mike Schmidt was my manager. Dude, the guy's got 548 career home runs, and he is such a downhill guy. <laughs> like, he's a super, like, top hand, like, <laughs> bring it down, like, straight to the ball. And I even told him, like, you know, finally towards the end of the season, we convinced him to take some BP for us there in Clearwater and he was like um you know you guys think you're gonna see me hit the ball out of the park and he goes and I'm not I'm gonna hit the ball off of the bottom of the wall in right center and I'm gonna <laughs> hit the ball off the bottom of the wall in left center guy gets in the box swings and misses the first one second one hits it straight up a third swing smokes one into the right center gap <laughs> one bounces the wall gets the next one a little middle in I don't know how he tomahawked that thing. He hit a line drive, one bounce off the left center field wall, walked out. You know, he's wearing a cutoff. His arms are huge. The guy's got of the gym. <laughs> and I just I, I just don't get it nowadays. I see kids that are, are learning swings that they're not going to hit 94 at the letters. They're not. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I don't get it. Look, look at the bigs now. You don't see people hit over 300. Thank you. you. I was you thinking the same thing. You don't because don't. everyone's trying to hit it out of the ballpark and – you know, you don't you don't see rallies anymore. There's not a long inning with base hit after base hit because someone's got to hit a deep fly out or somebody's got to strike yeah. out on an 0-2 yeah. swing that just they think they're trying to hit the ball 600 yeah. feet rather than breaking it down and hitting the ball into the gap. Yeah. You know, it, it's – Don't get me wrong. The pitchers nowadays are – the pitching's gotten really good. It's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not easy yeah. to put, you know, a good Everybody throws 100. together. Exactly. Okay, but how about an effort, though, man? Exactly. Like, how many times do we see guys with two strikes – that don't make any type of adjustment. Nothing. Yeah, zero. Correct. There's you know how many, how many, how many, how many sacks bunt do you see in a, in 162 games, Armando? I, I remember, I remember growing up and seeing, you know, what what, what you were saying, Alex, about the different styles and and hitting. You know, there. Look at Wade Boggs, the way he hit. Courtney Lansford, my dad would go. So at the other muñeca, you know, he would hold his bat tight and and smack the ball. Uh, Tony Gwynn, that could put it to any. Wherever he wanted. Tony Gwynn could put it <laughs> anywhere he, he pleased. Um, then Ichiro later on, Luis Castillo with the, with, Rose. <laughs> with, with the Marlins. Luis Castillo would, would slap the ball. I feel like he would always slap the ball, but that was the style. He would hit 300. He was an all-star. Why why mess with that? Why mess with, with the fundamentals of baseball and try to create out of these kids and you know and and you, and you see them now. They're, they all go there and they're, they're trying to kill well, the ball. Analytics is overtaking the game. I mean, you got people that are running teams that have been um, MBAs. <laughs> they know about the 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 cap. You know the, the yeah. They know how to work numbers. numbers they know how to you know and the value trades and the statistics. Statisticians. And if you if you watch MLB Network, you see a lot of the uh, the ex players are all against it. <laughs> they're all yeah. they're all saying, hey, you know. The managers are robots. It, it's over overthinking everything for the sake of overthinking. Uh, I remember a play. It was it was two thousand and two thousand nine World not not World Series ALCS, and Girardi was managing the the Yankees, and they were playing the the Angels. And I remember Dave Robertson was on the mound, and he was just 
he was on fire. They couldn't touch him. And they kept keep on cutting to Girardi in the dugout, and he doesn't leave it Yeah. looking. Yeah, it's terrible. And looking and looking. And then a, a batter comes up, goes up, calls Alfredo Aceves to come in to pitch. <laughs> of course, he, he got destroyed after that. And the Yankees lost that game. And, and I'm sure it happens and so on and so on and so on. And also with, with pitchers, I, I don't know your your thought on, you, you know, you were saying about, uh, about you know, pitching often back then and, and all that. But now now in the big leagues, man, they, they pull guys so quickly How that Camilo's the, record would never, <laughs> he, never he, be broken. He would throw 18 complete games. Do, do you know that in 1959, between the Cuban Baseball League and I, I have a record of it. It's, it's in one of those baseball encyclopedias between the Cuban Baseball League and the American League. And he missed two months with a storm uh, in 59. He threw 435 innings. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Love it. Man preso ahora. Love it. It's, no, you do that nowadays. It's, it's completely different. I Armando, mean, I, I think the analytics have have taken the feel away from the coach. You know, the feel that the coach has, seeing the player, you know, because listen, there could be a day where the guys at eighty-five pitches, you tantero, ready to go. Give me fifty more. But it's taking the feel away. Oh, when they get to this number, they start to do this, or the third time around the lineup. Listen, I'm a fan of you're gonna pitch to they start getting hit, or you start getting wild, or you know. But you know, it's taking the feel away. Completely. It happened in the World Series a couple of years ago with the Rays. Yeah. When they that guy had gone through the through the top yeah, of like the order, seventy-two one, two, pitches or something one, two, like three, that. Yeah. And they took him out. Because it, it, the analytics said that his third time around, you know, he would lose his stuff. I go, these guys have gone 0 for 6. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let them go 1 for 3. Let's show me that they can do exactly. it. Exactly. And they yeah. lost the game. Yeah. And, and, and how about the emphasis, Alex, on all these other, all these other stats? Um, you know, back then it was average, home runs, RBIs, runs scored. And now you have all these... Yeah, there, there, there's so many oh, acronyms okay. that I have no idea what they even mean. I still don't, I don't know, I don't know what I don't even know. I, I still like, don't know what war means. I have no idea what war I, means. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. how you, I don't know how you get war, but, <laughs> but apparently Mike Trout has really structure. good war. That's all I <laughs> yeah. know. Wins yeah. against replacement, whatever that you know, means. Dude, yeah. basic stats, man. Let's go with wins, losses. Yeah. Let's go with ERA. Let's go with pitches, uh, innings, strikeouts, and walks. I'm, Hit I, by pitches for pitchers. I think I mentioned it the other day, like. To me, as far as like thinking, let's say as a manager, whoever was managing the Marlins back then, anytime Tom Glavin would pitch, Mike Redmond would have to play. Why? Because he hit four hundred and something yeah. against <laughs> against Tom Glavin. But this, all, all these, all these things like drive, drive me crazy. They drive me crazy. It's and when when did that start? Because. I don't think it was during our time, Mike. No. I don't think it was no. during no. your time no. either, Alex. No. It's probably in I, the last 10 years. I think I you had guys like... I think when Moneyball started. Moneyball. Remember, even with the Rays, John Madden. Or John Madden. Joe Madden. Joe, Joe Madden. Madden. <laughs> I'm not calling John, John Madden. Madden. John Madden. But Joe Madden was very... He was like the, the, I guess the mad scientist, they'd call him, in coaching. And he would go analytics crazy, and he had success. And had then success. everybody was copycat. Everybody started doing it. Yeah, it's a copycat league. And... Um, you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully it changes. But you know, we're we, we see things changing in baseball, and sometimes they're not for the better. I mean, look look at this whole thing. Mike and I were discussing last week, Carlos, with the uh, the play clock mm-hmm. and some of the implementation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's look maybe speeding up the game a little bit. Not terrible, you know. Those guys that like do this for like you know five minutes, but. Tampoco calling guys out. Like, we've been seeing these these, these weird things. It's going to be interesting when the season starts. Guy gets called out because he wasn't in the box within eight seconds and facing the pitcher. Give me a break. Yeah, the, we, we yeah. got to see how it all plays out. Um, I, I think a lot of the rule changes were made for people who aren't baseball purists. I think it's for the, <sighs> terrible. the people who don't watch baseball and complain about baseball. The same Those people, people are not going to watch baseball. They're not going to watch period. They're not going to watch it way, so why would you make these rule yeah. changes and to speed up the game? They're not going to watch the game. They're not. I think that we have a bad commissioner. I agree. Okay, I don't, <laughs> he's think, terrible. I I don't think he's a good commissioner. You know what I mean? I think he's shady. Yep. I think he likes power. And I think he's going to mess it up. Amando, uh, Carlos, Alex, the pitch clock and the tricks that the pitchers have caught on to 
on how it works. If you saw Max saw, Scherzer, what he did, yes, yes okay, he was is going to create a huge problem for hitters. I saw a guy strike out in like 16 seconds the other day. That's a bit much, okay? But like I said in the last show, when the owners see the drop in revenues because people are there an hour less a game times 81 home games, that's when this nonsense is going to stop. Times many okay? hot dogs. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> if, if you need to, you know, speed up some guys, have rules for it. You know, give them a warning like they've always done. You know what I'm saying? But – just speeding up the game for the non, the non baseball guy, I think it sucks. Like, like I said last podcast, my dad. Oh yeah, my dad would turn the game on in the fifth or sixth inning because it's what he lasted. Okay, he'd get mm-hmm. home in the afternoon, do his thing. He up. He wanted to watch the end of the game, and that's that's what baseball allows. Baseball allows for you to get to a game in the bottom of the first. Go straight to the concession if it's a packed house. Not get to your game to the bottom of the second, and you're still going to watch three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, now it's going to be like you can possibly miss an inning and a half, two innings by just being in the concession line. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's going to be tough. I don't like it. Well, it's um, – I, I, I really think that pitch clock is going to bring a lot of problems. I really do. Listen, you, Max Scherzer, like, like, dude, he was set. For six, seven seconds, and the moment the guy put his foot in, because that's the rule, he <laughs> threw a 96. No, man, like the pit, it's, it's going to bring a lot of problems to hitters. Yep. And, you know, I'm hoping maybe the players amongst themselves can have an understanding. Listen, let's, you know, let's be within the rules, but let's respect each other. But I just, you know, anytime I see that there's an advantage to a pitcher, I don't like it. You know what I mean? I don't like it. I'm a hitter, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you see what the Red Sox did to circumvent the shift? What did they, they, they put it at route fielder? Yeah, the left fielder and right center. Yeah, so it's the same setup, you know, pretty much. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I'm okay with the bigger base a little bit because I'm an offensive guy. I think it may give a little more offense, a little more stolen bases, but that pitch clock's got to go. Anybody who doesn't like a long baseball game, it's okay. Pick a game. Maybe it's a quick game. There are some quick games, but... Leave it alone. It's, I mean, how quick were the games when Greg Maddox pitched? Yeah. Right. They were quick. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just coach your guys to be quicker. Let me tell you, when I played when I played baseball, I loved playing defense behind a guy who was fast. Absolutely. Who would just grab the ball and throw it. There's nothing worse than standing out there and just waiting for <laughs> yeah. the guy to pitch. Yeah. And you're standing out there. I'm standing out there in second base for half an hour. No, there's like, some I'm guys that are just, yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't get the whole thing of, of – taking these human rain delays, as they're called nowadays, to expend the games. Like, get on the mound and throw the ball. Get on the mound and throw, throw, throw the ball. Your defense is going to be ready. There's going to be less errors. The, the crowd's going to be happier. There's going to be more action. I think, you know, they, there's more emphasis on that. But, again, I think it's it goes back to analytics. They have to step back and yeah. they have a wristband. Nowadays, I think there's even a they, – they, yeah. they, they, the pitcher calls the pitch. I think I saw that the other day. Yeah, with Zach Granke. Yeah, he I saw that. Pushed yeah, a button yeah. and it went to the catcher. Th- it's called a something tracks or something like that. I think the end of it's going to be when it comes to dollars and cents, though. Yeah, money, dude. There's some teams like that. You know, they're not balling. You know what I mean? They should be looking at ways to extend stuff post game or pre game. Well, we're you know see. what I mean. But let's see. We're going to see what's happening now. Yeah. I think Bally's going to go bankrupt. So a yes. lot of these teams, like the Marlins, are getting money from those regional sports networks. Who knows what's going to happen? Wow. Yeah, no, and, and Carlos, before before we wrap up, I wanted to talk to you about your dad because, you know, my, my dad always held him in, in very high regard. That's how I started playing in the, in the academy. You know, he, he played, he managed, he, he, was, he was a scout, he ran the academy. You know, he, he was... He, he did it all in, in baseball. You know, wh- wh- what was his influence on you, you know, growing up and then, you know, you becoming a player and coaching and, and everything you did with the sport? At the end of the day, my dad was my idol. I, uh, my dad was just um, a very caring, very funny individual. Uh, we have so many jokes. We used to have so many jokes at the academy, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, everything that I learned in baseball, I learned from him. And, uh, man, I remember I remember when he was playing minor league ball, and I would spend the summer in Fort Walton Beach, 
And uh, those are just great memories, you know. And then when I started, it's funny because when I started playing high school ball back in those days, the parents couldn't go see us play. They were all working. And, yeah, the only time he saw me play, when he came to scout Carl Park. <laughs> and, well, he wasn't scouting me. He was scouting uh, Dale Soderholm, who he, he drafted in the first round. So, but he influenced me a lot in, in, in that regard that everything that I learned, you know, I, I was always around him in the game of baseball. And I would go to Venezuela when he was managing in Venezuela. I'd go and spend two weeks over there. I remember throwing batting practice to Mike Lum. I thought it was the coolest thing in the <laughs> awesome. world. I was already at 25 years old, but, you know, uh, things like that. He was just, and I think somebody that can really speak about who my father was is right here. Yeah. Um, I, I still get choked up talking about him. Um, he was my hero as well. He definitely, I, I envy him so much because his, you know, his life was baseball. Yes. He grew up playing baseball. He's in the Cuba Hall of Fame, came over here, played baseball. Um, imagine, he, you know, he isn't that tall. He, he had about <laughs> <laughs> his minor leagues. He had, a, I think, 200 home runs, 198 home runs. Wow. wow. Um, and, and I love the stories he would tell he me. He led the league in hitting his last year. Yeah. <laughs> he, awesome. he tells me a story. He had, he, had, he had two games in the bigs. And what was his exact height? Five, six, but uh, yeah. at the end of the day, like we all are, when we get older, we start shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he tells me the story, and I, I would like to tell it. He, uh, he, had oh, two, he had two games in the bigs. Oh, the, um, the Boston game. Yes. So he, he pitched two games. Um, and it, he not only pitched, he, he hit. So he was a pitcher and a hitter. He was Shohei Otani before Shohei. <laughs> um, he, the first game he pitched was a home game against the Philadelphia A's, and he pitched a complete game and won the game. Um, and I think he got one hit, he won like one for two or something. Next game, they go to Fenway Park, and um, there's no analytics, no scouting reports, no nothing. So the catcher goes up to him and is like was, going through the, the lineup. It was actually Honrado Marrero, which was an old Cuban pitcher yes. with the Senators. Yeah, so he goes up to him, and he starts going through the lineup of the Red Sox, and he goes first batter, you know, low and outside. He pulls the ball, second batter, you do this. And then he goes fourth batter, you do this. He goes through the whole lineup, and – but that was like, man, you, you skipped a third batter. And he goes, that's Ted Williams. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, he, he pitched another complete game, but he got the L. But look at that, two complete games. Man, can you imagine pitching, Williams, pitching two complete games in the big leagues and those were your only two big league games? Oh, man, you got to face Ted Williams, bro. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's big. Ten. What did Ted do against him? Do you know? Do we know? Or? I, I'm not sure. Do you know? <laughs> I can look it up. I can look it up, but I don't, awesome. I don't remember. You know, that. some of the greatest – Memories you guys have are on a baseball diamond, right? Yep. Baseball, you know, I think baseball, if it's if it's taken into the correct context with the correct people around you, man, it can be special. And my, it can be lifelong. Yeah. My closest you know? friends are all guys I played baseball with. I mean, it, since Little League, call, my best friend is now, you know, from my, from my college days. Um, yeah, baseball is a family. And I think, you know, that gets lost nowadays. Like you said, there's a lot of people going from team to team. But the camaraderie you have with, with you know, your teammates is, is beautiful. When you stop playing, what you miss is that locker room. Oh, yeah. That's what you miss. Yeah. No, I think, I think back even, even at little, little League or High School and all that, man, it, 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 you, you miss it when, it when it's done. I mean... I know Mike, you know, played through double A, right? Yeah, double A was the highest I got. Yep. That's why. It's pretty damn high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at, at any level, you know, it's like you 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 miss it. And that's what that's what I I'm I'm loving about, you know, my son being at Diamond Dreams. I get to be a volunteer coach and I'm I'm reliving it again. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I have a I have two kids. My my daughter's four. And I have a seven-month-old boy, and I am. We hit grounders ready, or what? We get. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm loving, but I'm also hating the idea of him playing ball because I hey, know how it's gonna. Let be. me, let me tell you. You mentioned your your daughter, and I'm, and I know that Michelle is gonna love it, but one of the best players in our T-ball league is a girl named Harper. Yeah, she's awesome. She's really good. So hey, you know. Never know. You, <laughs> you never know. You never know, but but Alex, uh, really quick, going back to your to your grandpa, I remember him scouting at a it was a Pace Gulliver game where Sean Watson was was pitching against I forget the Pace's 
pitcher name, but he was really good. Gio but, Gonzalez? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Gio. It was um, Hernandez or Rodriguez, something like that. But I remember scouts being at the game, and I remember being there and seeing Patato, and I'm like, oh my god, Patato's here, and he was there with his radar gun, yep. you know, scouting, and you know, and and yeah, you know, he was already, you know, up there in age, and he was still doing what what he loved, man. My dad and my uncle, I, I always said they were the luckiest persons alive. That's all they did was baseball. That's all they ever knew. Until my dad, until the day he died. I mean, uh, you know, baseball is unique. They really take care of their own. They kept paying my dad. They kept paying him a car allowance. My dad wasn't driving. He, as last year, he had a stroke. But, you know, they kept him on the payroll, kept him the insurance. My uncle was scouting up until about three years ago with the Dodgers. Wow. I mean, that's all they've known. And how lucky is that? Yeah, that's a that, blessing. That's, that's amazing. Blessing. And for those listening that that know who Camilo Pacual is, how, how's he doing? He's doing really well. He's 89 years old. but He's still sharp as a tack. Wow. And if you want to catch him sometime, you can catch him at Tamiami Park. You know where the uh, monument is? Yep parking lot he's hitting golf balls or he's throwing <laughs> balls against the the pole over there he's remains active that's that's the uh that's a drink to longevity man just remain <laughs> active as uh as long as you can but carlos alex i really want to thank you guys for coming on this was a lot a lot of fun um you know reliving all those memories thank you thank you for having us and mike we'll be back for for 26 26 we gotta think, and loaded. What, what, what do we think about with, with 26 i'm not sure not sure. We got we got to think. We got to think. But listen, <laughs> last three episodes have been really informative, especially with, you know, the Great Bland Park and stuff Absolutely. like that. So make sure you tune in. Tune in. Later, guys. Thank you.